Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina. Are you ready to take the couch? Sunday night, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, happy Sunday night, man. This is Dr. Dalvina. It's the Brain Love Podcast. It's another new episode. It's Sunday night. It's 8 p.m. And I'm rocking out to Jay-Z. Reasonable Doubt. Reasonable Doubt, man. So that's that album. Came out in 1996. I was a sophomore in college, I believe. And so... This track is called Can't Knock the Hustle. You're going to hear from the Brooklyn Therapist tonight. This episode is called Anonymously Said with the Brooklyn Therapist. She and I are rapping about some stuff you don't hear, really, and especially if you're a current patient of a mental health professional or if you've ever been a patient of a mental health professional or if you're a mental health professional, you'll be able to identify a lot um, in what we're talking about. We're really just, you know, just being frank and open about what happens during the process of psychotherapy and engaging with a mental health professional. We're talking about how being a mental health professional is trending right now, and it was especially trending during the pandemic, right? We're still in the pandemic, but during the height of the pandemic, it was trendy, just as being black was trending. So we're talking about all of those things. We're talking about patients and some of their behaviors or habits when they're trying to engage psychotherapy. We even talk about a trauma case that she's had and, you know, and why people who have a history of trauma may not want to purpose, purposefully and intentionally engage psychotherapy. A lot of people aren't ready for it, but it manifests in so many ways of their life. It as in the baggage and the, the hurt that they suppress for so many years and carry around and are just afraid or uncomfortable and engaging with a professional. So I'm playing this track because it's a hustle out here to be in private practice or to run your own mental mental health practice. It is a damn hustle. Um, but you cannot knock the hustle, man, because we're trying to do what we can to help as many folks as we can to help our patients. And um, at the same time, while balancing the issues with insurance companies, I'm going to do an episode on that soon, talking about health care insurance and why a lot of mental health professionals choose not to take it. And let me tell you, I'm starting to understand, but I ain't going to give up, man. I'm not going to give up. So thank you for joining me on the couch tonight. Usually I ask you in the very beginning, are you ready to take the couch? But um, you know it's going to come. So thank you for taking the couch with me tonight. And join the Brooklyn Therapist and me as we have our open discussion. If you have any questions, concerns, or if you disagree with something that gets said, feel free to send an auto reply over Anchor. Or you can email me at info, I-N-F-O. At Dr. Dalvina, that's D R D as in Delta, E L V as in Victor, E N A dot help, H E L P. Or hit me up on social media on my Instagram 
at Dr. Delvina, spelled the same way, or on um, on Facebook. All right, y'all. Thank you in advance, man. Hey, guys. It's Dr. Delvina, and I'm here again. It's another episode of the Brain Love Podcast, and this is called Anonymously Said. Um, from time to time, I'll have folks come on and we'll have a nice dialogue about different things and they'll be able to say whatever they want to say because you won't know who's saying what. And today I got a special guest. She's on with me tonight. This is the Brooklyn Therapist. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Good to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, we I, I talk about uh, patients and some of... Um, the diagnoses and the treatment and things like that. Um, I've never really gone gone into a conversation about um, being a mental health professional, some of the challenges that we face. And, um, and I haven't interviewed other mental health professionals from the standpoint of them just being able to be human and just to be able to talk and converse and, um, and just share information. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation that you and I will have We'll have tonight. Okay. How's everything going in your in your practice? Everything is going very, very well. Good, 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 good. So um, you know, COVID-19, of course, I'm sure has ramped up, um, has made your practice a lot busier. How's your patient load? You know, how are your patients faring with COVID-19? Well, it it has made it a lot busier. There's been several things that's made it a lot busier, um, especially with everything happening with Black lives and the way people were treated that has also increased it. So there's been several factors more so this year. I had to start doing telehealth because of COVID-19 and a lot of people are asymptomatic. So to be on the safe side, I'm just telehealth. So I still have the office, but at this time, telehealth only or phone. Okay. I'm doing patients right now. So what do you find? Do your patients, um, do they want to talk by phone only or do most of your patients want to be seen on video? What's their, the majority of their preference? Telehealth on video. Okay. Video. Very rarely do I get a person who wants to be seen by phone. It's, Usually if there is a glitch on their end and they're not able to actually do the video, but it is 99.9% of the time telehealth. Okay. They want that video, huh? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They yeah. want in person really, but I can't yeah. do that. Yeah. But tell yeah. Next best thing. Okay. You know, and, and some of the insurance companies have actually um, mandated, um, they're sending out um sort of attestation form so that you have to attest to doing the conducting telehealth a certain way. I reviewed one today from one of the insurance panels and it states it must be by video, not just audio. So that has become okay. interesting. Correct. They also want you to have now have a business associate agreement to use certain platforms. Ah, okay. Which platform are you using the most? DoxyMe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, DoxyMe is a good one, and it's it's um it's HIPAA protected. So if if there's any mental health professionals listening, your platform has to be HIPAA protected. So DoxyMe is HIPAA protected. Blue Jeans is HIPAA protected as well. Zoom is not, <laughs> unless Zoom has recently become HIPAA protected. No, it's it's not. I, that's why I don't use Zoom. Yeah, yeah. 
So do you find that uh, some of your patients are some of your new patients, I would say. So let's say the patients who have come in since COVID-19, this whole pandemic. Um, do you think some of those people already had some underlying mental health problems or mental illnesses and COVID-19 gave them the opportunity to, or the excuse to seek help? Definitely. Talk to me about that. What do you think? Well, Initially, when we were faced with COVID-19 earlier this year, a lot of my calls were from frontline workers who had to work hands-on with the COVID-19 patients, as well as other people who lost family members due to COVID-19 or lost friends due to COVID-19 or spouse or people in their homes who were affected with COVID-19. However, Nine months later, in working with some of the patients as we go through their trauma, it has nothing to do with COVID-19. And a lot of their trauma is childhood trauma. And this is the first time they're seeing a therapist in the years of everything they've been dealing with. We're no longer talking about COVID with a lot of my patients. We're talking about other mm -hmm. stuff, the traumas, mm -hmm. their lives. Okay. Yeah, so I was going to have you to repeat. You said they're dealing with childhood traumas, I think. Yes. Okay. Yes, okay. childhood traumas that, okay. that are not related to COVID, that are not related to anything that's been happening this year. So we're yeah. no longer talking about COVID with a lot of my patients. We're dealing with life. Gotcha. Yeah, you were saying something uh, before we, we started the show. You said being Black was trending. Now it's COVID. Right. So... This year, I would say around May, June, felt like February, which is the only month where Blacks get a month to celebrate their history. But due to the increased injustice that the Black and Brown people have been facing, um, this is nothing new. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 500 years later, we're still here in the mm -hmm. same position. Anyhow, it seemed as if it was... A trend. I what, being realized black, that being being black, uh -huh. um, I had a lot of people who were outraged. Both black people, both white people, Hispanic people, just different races of everything that was happening. And this year, it just seemed to be more outrage, as we all have seen based on even the George Floyd march. I've never seen an outpour like what I've seen for George Floyd and all of the people across the country and across the world has been marching for him because he became the face of the, the brutality that black people face. He became the face of it, but he's, he's definitely not the first or the last, but he became the face. So this, this year it's, it's, it's been trending. Um, I received a lot of calls and a lot of people who are not black were deeply, deeply affected um, unfortunately, after seeing George Floyd murder. After seeing George Floyd, yes, yes. Him more than I would say any other person that we've heard of this year who yeah. was killed unjust, unjustly. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty yes, traumatic. That was traumatic. It was, it was. And I think so were the other people who were murdered innocently. It was mm -hmm. pretty traumatic yeah. as well. And, and I don't I, know. Mm-hmm. You don't know what? I'm sorry. No, oh, I was gonna say I don't know 
why the other people who were who faced injustice did not get that amount of outcry of support and marches mm-hmm. and all of that. Yeah. So two two um, another person comes to mind. So two people come to mind for me. Um, well, wow, I'll say three. Because actually, you know, people said, uh, made comments that we've never seen anyone murdered on television before um, or have not seen a Black person murdered by the police on television the way that we saw George Floyd. But really, we we have. Eric Garner was murdered. You know, there were right. people recording. It wasn't a real-time thing as it was with George Floyd, but we saw the videos later of folks who were there and recorded as officers I don't remember how many it was. It was more than three, I believe. It was more like four or five or six choked him out. Right. So, right. so was uh, Philandro Castile. He was murdered on tape. Yeah. Somebody was filming it mm-hmm. similarly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of trauma in, in the Black community. Um, and I just, you know, I liked what you said about being Black was trending. Now it's COVID. Um, and so... Let's go into the discussion about the patients who come in, the new patients who are, let's say, not necessarily new to your office, but new to psychotherapy. They're new to mental health treatment, and COVID was the time that um, I suppose was the triggering factor for them to finally decide to see someone. And I guess we could look at it from a couple of different viewpoints. Maybe it was the triggering factor because with the the world, really, not just the country, but um, with the world, um, as it just slowed down, everything changed. Everything was different. We were on stay-at-home orders. Um, folks weren't going to work. And so it gave many people an opportunity to just sit with their thoughts and their memories and not uh, be engaged by all the typical routine, busy type stuff that kept them distracted. So I guess that's that could be one reason why people um, had to confront basically their history. And maybe that was sort of the catalyst that pushed them to seek help because they just really could not confront for some people those demons, for some people their past, their their history. What's um, what's one of the most, I guess, interesting cases you've had so far during the COVID pandemic of someone who's not sought treatment previously and uh, came to you for the first time for psychotherapy? I would say that I have been seeing a lot of childhood trauma patients. Uh, initially, our conversations were about COVID. Mm-hmm. However, we're no longer talking about COVID. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the trend of just trauma, trauma, especially in the uh, Caribbean culture, where mental health is really not something that is embraced. It is not something that's discussed. Mm-hmm. It didn't even have a name up until 20 years ago. And even if it, even when it did, it still was kind of just swept under the carpet or you just prayed it away. And that was the end of that. It really wasn't something that people talked about or knew how to talk about. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's certainly underdiagnosed in all of our, our communities, meaning our black and brown communities, people of color. Uh, there's a lot of trauma that um, folks have had to deal with one-on-one personally and also um, just being in the wrong place at the, the wrong time, seeing or witnessing or experiencing different uh, traumatic situations. Yeah. Does, um, I'm sorry. Brooklyn therapist, were you going to say something? that? I oh, no, I was just saying on? yes. I was agreeing with you. Gotcha. So, um, you know, we always have, we have cases and oftentimes a lot of us will talk to one another about these cases and sort of just staff the case with someone else or process the case with someone else to sort of help. Sometimes you want another opinion or sometimes um, you're seeking clarity from another uh, mental health professional to determine, you know, if you're missing something or um, if there's a different direction you should take with the patient, uh, what are some of the most difficult cases you you have in your in your practice? Well, I would say domestic violence, lots of those. Um, I would also say the childhood traumas, the people with, I would say borderline personality yeah. disorders and trying to have them understand their treatment and participate in their treatment and believe in their treatment Mm -hmm. and um, lots of self-esteem issues that's just a broad 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 population of a lot of people struggling right now they a lot of people preface the conversation with I know you're going to think I'm crazy but this is and they tell me what they have to say but they initially started with that yeah I don't know why they give us that disclaimer you know knowing what we do. Um, we hear, we hear everything all day long, every day. So yeah, the disclaimer is, is, I guess it makes them feel more comfortable in saying it. Maybe it's there. It's easy, easier for them to segue into the difficult conversation that they're about to have with you. I would agree. I also think that when they say that they're projecting how they would view someone saying what they're about to tell me, because mm-hmm. it, it starts with, I know you're going to think I'm weird. I know you're going to think I'm crazy. I know you're going to think, and I tell everyone, there's nothing you can shock me with. Absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you feel comfortable talking about um, one of the cases? The uh, I believe it was a young woman who witnessed something very traumatic in her home? Yes. Um, yeah, so there, there are people who go through a, a lot of trauma and they come in for one thing and um, they don't really wanna address it. It just kind of slips out, but sometimes it can be hard to heal when you don't wanna be honest or you're not ready to heal but you seek help so I always have to allow people to have that time to really reflect on if they want to do the work so this case I'm going to discuss is a case about a mother who 
their child was murdered by someone they were in a relationship with. Hmm. So it wasn't the child's father, it was the boyfriend of the, the mother? Correct. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. And so her boyfriend killed her daughter? Correct. How, how old was her daughter at the time when this happened? They refused to provide um, that information, okay. but... I would say not necessarily a teenager yet. Gotcha. Yeah. So when she came to you, was that her chief complaint? Not at all. Mm. Not at all. This kind of just slipped out. This wasn't. Wait a minute. It just slipped out. Yeah. As I was, um, this was like, I think our fourth or fifth session Mm -hmm. and um, asking about just different um things and they kind of said it like in a way in a matter of a fact way and I'm like wait a minute say that again what did you say and they Mm -hmm. said they were not willing to discuss that but their chief complaint was headaches um feelings of fatigue um feelings of loss of energy you know something just different chiefs of complaints but nothing related to the trauma yeah yeah and so what I heard you say also that stuck out to me is that this did not slip out until the fourth or the fifth session my goodness um you know I think some patients, um, they don't talk about the real issue in the beginning because they're filling us out. And maybe they're trying to decide, uh, do I feel comfortable in the setting with this person? Is this a good fit for me? Will I be able to discuss this with them? You know, um, what do you think are some reasons also that patients delay in sharing? I think the most substantial things in their life, the more significant things? Some people know that they need and they want therapy. They're not ready at this time to do the work. So Mm -hmm. some people feel like by reaching out, they've started the process, even though they may not finish, but the hardest step, which is the first step, is to reach out. So For some people, this may seem like a a list of things to do. Let me contact a a therapist, even though I'm not going to follow up with therapy or Mm -hmm. be completely transparent. At least I've contacted someone. It's almost like I I equate a therapist to a personal trainer. And that's something that I tell uh, people all the time. A personal trainer, similar to a therapist, is to help you work on your goals. The personal trainer cannot work harder than you. The personal trainer cannot eat for you, cannot work out for you, but can Mm -hmm. definitely motivate you and give you tips. Similar to therapy, I do not work harder than my clients. So there are people who are just not ready. And with all my good intentions, I can't make them ready. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. And sometimes there's many layers that have to be peeled back before they even get to a point where they're uh, 
ready, as you stated, until they're really ready to, to do the work. It may take seeing 10 different therapists before they get to a point of, of being ready. Oh, yes. So tell me more. You're in the fourth or fifth session and she slips and tells you that her boyfriend killed her daughter. Yes. What was your response or your reaction? So when I heard that, I um, stated, wow, I'm so sorry. Um, can you please tell me what happened? When did this happen? And she adamantly stated, um, I'm not going there. Okay. So I you know, told her I respect I understand if she doesn't want to discuss it. And I would say that was our last meeting. Oh, so it slipped during that session and then she didn't come back again. There was um, cancellations and so forth. But yes, that, that, was, that was our last. Yeah. So I wonder if she felt like you would try to encourage or push her to to talk about it, to get her to process it. I am not sure. However, I knew that this is something that she did need healing from, but may not have been ready. And, you know, the thing is, if you're not honest with your therapist, it's really hard for a therapist to help you effectively. Because yeah. when I asked initially about how many children, they told me how many. Mm -hmm. um, some, some parents, you know, they still count their dead children as part of the children. Some people say they have, you know, this number minus one because one, you know, is no longer. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone, everyone does it differently, but it never ever came up and I could understand it if you're just meeting a person but if it's a person who's going to be helping you yeah process and work through I think um that's something you can you know share especially if it's part of mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. trauma so I would yeah. agree yeah but I'm not the first therapist I am about the sixth for this oh, year oh okay um, you said you're the sixth for this year? This year, yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. Okay. So you were the sixth, and she came to you and said that she, you said she felt tired, she had headaches, so she gave you symptoms, basically, of stress, pretty Correct. much. Correct. Yeah. So it makes me wonder if she shared with the other five therapists um, the unfortunate circumstance of her, her daughter. I'm not sure, but I know when I asked what worked, what didn't work based on her past therapist, she said a uh, lack of connection. So I don't know if she's just not connecting with, with anybody because we all have our different personalities. Yeah. But I, um, yeah, so that was, that was it. She continued to cancel, rescheduled and she um, is no longer doing therapy. Yeah, I'm wishing her peace, light, and blessings. And, you know, hopefully at some point she'll be able to engage and um, and, and talk about it. So, because she actually saw that happen 
right? She witnessed. She refused to provide whether she witnessed it. I know that it happened, but she just stopped herself. It, it, it just slipped out matter of factly, And that's, you know, of course, I'm going to question that, but she um, would not. I don't think she meant to provide mm-hmm. that information. Okay. What's your, your viewpoint on reaching out to patients who don't return or who are, you know, maybe they're no sure they've canceled or how do you handle that in your, in your practice? I know um, different therapists do different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it, it is a patient by patient situation um, for people who tell me that they want to take a break or they're not ready at this time. Mm-hmm. I will definitely allow that to happen and, and really not bother them and to just respect that and mm-hmm. not infringe upon, you know, what they want to do for the cancellations and um, the no shows. I, I confront it straight up and mm-hmm. show them, Hey, this is the pattern. This has happened this amount of times, but I have it in my policy that they sign after a certain amount of cancellations, three consecutive cancellations, no shows, the case will be closed. So it is something that they're made aware of. And I just remind them. So when that happens, just letting them know that I I just refer out. I have um, many people who need help. So um, I don't play games. And um, I won't waste anyone's time. And I don't want anyone to waste my time. So if it's if it's a pattern, I just call them out. And um, it I don't really have much of that issue. But when I do have it, it's it's well understood. It's mutually understood. It's something they've read, they've signed, mm-hmm. they agreed upon orientation. They are informed. So it's um, it's no shock when the case is closed mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. refer to somewhere else. Gotcha. What do you think uh, one of your biggest challenges is in private practice? What's your your biggest challenge? So the biggest challenge I would say is working with um, people who, no matter how many steps that they're taking and even though they're achieving their goals, the behavior in terms of them still being unhappy and not being able to celebrate themselves remains the same, even though they are making improvement. Okay. I commend you for saying something very specific to patient care and, and, and therapy and not the money. Because um, <laughs> oftentimes it's a financial part of it. That's the biggest challenge for most, I would say for most in private practice, not just mental health professionals, but pardon me, most um, who run a private practice, um, the financial burden or the the challenges, pardon of collecting your money and dealing with patients um, financially. That has been the answer usually when I ask people what the, 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 the most difficult challenges in their practice. What do you think about um, moving forward uh, post-COVID? Do you think um, you would continue to do telehealth with your, with your patients? Does it depend on the direction of the insurance companies? Would you 
Um, are you willing to provide both services, you know, in person and also uh, telehealth? Yes, I am willing to provide both services <laughs> prior to COVID. I was 100% in office. Um, COVID has forced me into telehealth, but I needed to learn anyway to do this. So this is something that I would like to continue for those who prefer telehealth. It also depends on the insurance. The insurance is allowing me to do telehealth, so I will. But if the insurance says that I can't, then I won't be able to unless other arrangements are made by the patient to um, pay for their services if the insurance won't, won't allow it. Mm-hmm. So um, I, think, I think I might continue because I have a lot of patients who, even they have insurance, they're not using their insurance and they're just covering their services. So. Yes, I'll continue to do both. All right. And before we close out the show, I just have a question about your own wellness and balance. How do you remain balanced and how do you take care of yourself? What are your self-care? Okay. Great, great, great question. That mm-hmm. is a great question. So how I take care of myself, I, I make sure that I take Wednesdays off. Every single Wednesday, I don't do anything patient related. And as well as Sundays, that's my day. Um, I will refuse to work on those days. For my self-care, I work out, I walk daily. I try to be very, very conscious about everything that I eat. I don't just eat for taste, but I eat for the physical benefits. Mm -hmm. I meditate, I do yoga, I do pray. Um, and I socialize I, I, with my mask, my neighbors, I live in a community where we are really, um, close and we all Very walk. Nice. Together. You don't hear that too often. Oh my, yeah. My neighbors, they're, they're amazing. They're like family. Nice. And we've become closer since COVID. So, okay. yeah. Very nice. Very nice. So you're checking the box in all the areas of self-care and, and maintenance. You mentioned prayer. I heard you say yoga. Did you mention prayer or did you say meditation or meditation and prayer? Or am um, I making prayer. up the prayer? Prayer, meditation. <laughs> so. yeah. Okay. Yeah, prayer, meditation, yoga. And yeah. just reminding myself to, to take those days off. Mm-hmm. There are sometimes I'll take an extra day off a week and I, I let patients know in advance. And, you know, so people can be prepared. I was off today, even though I probably could have worked, but because I planned to be off the rest of this week, I just set boundaries with myself and I held myself accountable to the boundaries I set that I am not going to work today. I'm off of the schedule today Mm -hmm. and I have to remind myself, I have to take care of myself so I can care for my patients. Yeah. 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 So when you're off and you get tempted to do something work-related, you're you're stopping yourself, you're intervening on your own behalf and telling yourself, no, girl, you can't do that today. You are off. You are completely off. Yeah. We got to check ourselves at time, um, at times. So, you know, taking care of uh, mental health concerns for several people, several different people and hearing their, their mental health challenges can be, um, can be very taxing. And um, so it's important for us to to have all of those things that you just mentioned in place 
so that um, so that we can do the you know the best the best job at um, aiding our patients and assisting them on their on their psychotherapy journey on their journey of mental wellness and um, and so we don't burn ourselves out definitely definitely I feel refreshed just being off the days that I did take off this week mm-hmm. and it's it's really important that you come back refreshed with a new perspective, more relaxed. It helps with patient care. Yeah, it does. You're more patient and, you know, you just lucid and I think we process better um, for all those reasons. I know a few therapists too, um, you know, they may be 20 years into their careers right now and, or over 20 years and they work through the holidays. you know, they work on Thanksgiving for people who want to be seen on Thanksgiving. They work Christmas Eve in their office. Um, they're back in the office the following day after Christmas Day or um, the days leading up to, to New Year's Day. They're in the office. And I think um, we all have to we have to set limits and recognize those limits because we're human. We are, you know, for, for me, I am always open on New Year's Day. That seems to be the busiest day wow. for me. On New- I've been open for the past four years in one location on New Year's Day. And My goodness. You would have thought there was a party <laughs> going on. Like, that's just, and that's okay for me to open on New Year's Day. Like, I have no problem with that. But the other major holidays, I definitely make sure I take off. And if I'm open on New Year's Day, I'm definitely going to take another day off mm-hmm. in the week. I'm glad you shared that. That's that's pretty intriguing to me that on New Year's Day, it's a one of your busiest days of the year. Always. What Always. Are, what are some of the common concerns or issues that people present with on New Year's Day? Is it I drank too much the night before and I'm mm-hmm. feeling so what? What are they coming and saying on New Year's Day? Or is it that they want you to help them prepare? Is, are these new patients or current patients typically? Um, most of the time they're new patients. Very okay. few that are current. Um, a lot of times the new patients, I mean, they still have last year's stuff, even though it's New Year's Day. Yeah. They still have drama going on from many years ago. Yeah. Okay. So they've decided, okay, I'm this. I'm going into the new year with a new attitude, with a new plan. I'm going to start with this therapist on the first day of the year. Right. Okay. Okay. Got it. Well, I hope that you'll, you'll come back um, and we can discuss some other uh, challenges in the mental health space. Yes, I'll be back. Yeah. One thing I'd like to discuss is the notion that um, some folks love sorrow. Some people love unhappiness. Yes, I would agree. Yeah. And I think a conversation about preparing for our most challenging cases, the negative energy that some of these cases bring into into your space. Yes. So with um, people who are addicted to unhappiness, Mm -hmm. a lot of them would meet their goals do the homework, actually have great achievable goals, but the unhappiness becomes a crutch for them. It becomes something that they're so familiar with 
it's a, a feeling, it fuels them, it keeps them going. And, you know, it releases the same chemicals that anxiety and also gratitude releases, mm-hmm. but they just replace it with the, un- the unhappiness. It's a trained feeling over time. Yeah. So they train the brain, you know, the brain has many, many chemicals. Excellent. So mm-hmm. the brain actually becomes accepting and it accommodates to the feelings the brain the brain adapts to these chemicals Mm -hmm. that people continue to have and also with illegal drugs those target like the dopamine receptors so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's just a lot of different different factors but a lot of people they become addicted to the feeling and they can't they cannot celebrate their success their accomplishments it means nothing because this feeling takes over their brain. Mm-hmm. And we are going to talk about that in even more detail the next time we speak, the next time we meet for another episode of the Brain Love Podcast, Anonymously Said. You guys, you've been listening to the Brooklyn Therapist. Do you like hip hop Brooklyn Therapist? Some. Some? Yeah, not the, <laughs> not the new stuff. Okay. Who's your, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite uh, hip hop artist out of New York? Jay-Z. Oh, how'd I know you were going to say that? I love him. I'm in love with that man. Oh gosh. Okay. All righty. Thanks for coming on Brooklyn Therapist. Thank you for having me. All righty. Okay. Have a good evening. Well, I hope you guys heard some things that were new for you and hopefully we clarified a few things and the Brooklyn therapist will be back um and if anyone was offended by anything that was said don't um don't be angry at us we're just we're processing together and we just wanted to share this processing with my listeners if you have a question comment or concern feel free to reach out to me Um, My handles are on the beginning of this uh, podcast, as you heard. And um, again, I'll give you my email address, info at drdelvina.help. Doctor is not spelled out. It's D-R, D as in Delta, E-L, V as in Victor, E-N-A dot help, H-E-L-P dot, I'm sorry, info at drdelvina dot help. Pardon me. So um, guys, every Sunday night. Come on, join me on the couch. If you can't listen when it drops Sunday night at 8 o'clock, feel free to take your time throughout the week to to listen and go back and listen to some of the previous episodes as well. I have some good stuff coming up for you. There's going to be a discussion about cannabis sometime soon. When we get closer to the football season, um, I'm bringing Kendrick Norton on to discuss his traumatic situation. Um, In July 2019, he lost his arm in an accident, in an automobile crash, and um, and lost the ability to play football. But he didn't lose his passion, man, and so that's why I'm telling his story. So everyone have a great week, and remember, what are those two words I say? Brain love. So guys, I just wanted to remind you about um, the ways you can follow me. Of course, if you're listening to this podcast and you know how to follow the Brain Love Podcast, which I created May 2020 
Um, it's on iHeartRadio. It's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, of course. Um, and then follow me on social media. On Facebook, I'm Dr. Delvina. That's D-R period space D-E-L-V as in Victor E-N-A. And on Instagram, I'm Dr. Delvina, just as D-R, D-E-L-V as in Victor, E-N-A. And I'm the same on Twitter, as well as on Clubhouse. So if you're on Clubhouse, shoot me a follow. And I also have a YouTube channel that's Dr. Delvina Thomas. If you type in D-R, period, space, Delvina, D-E-L-V as in Victor, E-N-A, Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S, you should easily find it. And really, if you're following me on Instagram, if you go to my bio and click the link tree that's there, it gives you all of my all of my different links. It gives you my website also, which is Dr. Delvina, D-R-D-E-L-V as in Victor, E-N-A dot help. That's H-E-L-P. And also, please start tuning in on Sunday mornings at 5 a.m. on 99 Jams. Community Matters. I'm a guest host with Super Cindy. Um, tune in. You can download the 99 Jams app um, from the App Store, and that way you don't have to get up and turn on your radio. You can just download the 99 Jams app. So give me a follow, subscribe, and thank you for your support. And if you have an advertisement for your company that you would like to play on my podcast, shoot me an email. Hit me up, info, I-N-F-O, at Dr. Delvina, D-R-D-E-L-V-E-N-A dot help, H-E-L-P. All right, y'all, now I'm truly out. We're off the couch now. We're off the couch. It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, Every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need, it's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs. Know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations. Limit your expectations of yourself. Ownership. Own your mistakes, learn from them, and move on. Vengeance is not yours. It's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication. Don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love. <laughs>